We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Set on Sites TV podcast. This is Kate Kalzik and I'm joined as ever by Mr. Simon Howell. Yeah, I'm, uh... <laughs> What is that? I just woke up. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> Well, good morning, Simon, and good morning to our listeners, or afternoon, or evening, or whenever you happen to be listening to us. So this week on the Televerse, we're doing things a little different. We're going to do our end-of-year wrap-up. Yeah, we, we decided to ditch the usual format and give out some uh, awards, which we d- didn't really take the time to name. Like, are they the... I, I, I think we're, we're going for the we, tellies? Yeah, but apparently those are taken. Ah. There's like the telly awards, so we can't really do that. If anyone out there has any ideas for a nifty award name for Televerse Awards, go... Yeah, sure, send them over, them but for the now they're just awards. SOS, I mean... Yeah. Nah. That's, that's, let, that's let us know. Stretchy it. We're not creative types. We're really bad at naming things. Just look at the name of our show. We're, yeah. we're getting used to it, but... <laughs> Anyways, um, so we, we were originally going to just start at 10, count our, our, our lists down, talk about each one, and then we realized that between the two of us, we have 11 shows. So Yeah, so we sort of got thwarted there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, how exactly is this going to be structured? Well, we're going to talk about, instead of do, counting them down in order from 10 to 1, the way we have them ranked, we're going to uh, just talk about a few different shows at a time and then split it up a bit with some different uh, categories that we came up with and uh, throw some, some clips in there. So it'll kind of be a bit of a free-for-all, but anybody who's listened to the podcast shouldn't be overly surprised, I would say, with what uh, is is going to come. So like what shows we're going to talk about. So, um, but I guess let's, let's get into it. Of course, we have our Sound On Sight staff list up at the website. And I, I think we did pretty good. I have a couple, you know, qualms with it. But on the most part, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. If it wasn't for the presence of American Horror Story, I think I'd be perfectly happy. <laughs> now, it is a show that apparently a lot of people are watching. So I guess we're in the minority on that one. But uh... yeah, well. But we're the intelligentsia. We get to be in the minority. Well, and we do have QI on there, too, which I think is fantastic and yeah, uh, balances badass. it nicely. So, Yeah. Yeah, it is, uh, it's an interesting addition. But let's go ahead and start with our first trio of shows to discuss. So let's uh, so we're going to start with the, the two that uh, we disagreed upon. Wait a moment. We're in the middle of the most powerful city in the most powerful country on Earth. Let's take it slow. Surely this is something the Bureau could handle, sir. These calls happen wherever I am. How do I know the Bureau isn't involved? I can't trust anyone. 
Hello. Bad moment. Oh, look, this is the Oval Office. I was looking for the uh, oblong room. I'll, 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 I'll just be off then. Shall I? Then shut up. Noah, where the hell does this go? I don't know. Down? Wow, you're only a doctoral candidate? Hey, guy, my field's anthropology. <laughs> well, good luck with the job, hon. <laughs> right? Not that it's any of your business, but I plan to teach. Anthropology. What? Yes! To, uh, anthropology major? Hey, that's, you know that's what? continuing the circle of why bother? Oh, anthropology is a very important field of study. <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody's already named all the different spiders now. That's arachnology. <laughs> I know. Equally huge waste of time. Yeah, and sp- uh, I had Doctor Who and you had Archer. Now, right. I haven't seen Archer yet, though I'm looking forward to watching it, and you haven't seen Doctor Who. And so- will never. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and, and talk a little bit about Archer and what made the season, um, we'll put it on your list. Well, I, I think, and I'm hoping you'll agree when you're when you've caught up with it. I think it's emerged as the unlikely, unnatural heir, the bastard child of Arrested Development, in the, not just in the sense that it has a bunch of Arrested Development people in the voice cast, uh, both in regular and cameo form, uh, but also because it's the only show that can match that show's sort of rapid fire uh, jokes permit. It's joke rate per minute. Uh, the references, the callbacks, the uh, just the universe it creates is is just as dense, just as comically dense as what Arrested Development was doing. What's great about the second season specifically is, and it might be one of the only times a show has been improved by network notes. Um, Adam Reed, who writes every single episode and also voices one of the main characters, was approached by the network, who said, "Listen, like you're you're doing great." But what if we what if we got to know what was you know what was making these characters tick? And Adam Reed had a good long think about it. And over the course of the second season, we get backstories for a whole bunch of the characters, which might sound like it would be a waste of time, but actually it worked really really well, and actually makes a whole bunch of the characters sympathetic where before they were just you know cartoons. So uh, I think it made the show a whole lot richer, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what. Uh, I mean, apparently the first episode of the new season will feature Burt Reynolds, which I'm very excited about as himself. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm hoping it's just going to be another banner year for them. And you had, of course, Doctor Who. Yes, I did have Doctor Who. Um, now, for you had Archer in at number four, I want to say, on your list? I believe so. And I had Doctor Who, but it was down at number 10 for me. This was a somewhat mixed season, but what put it on my list was the fact that the highs of the season were really damn high. They they started out with, um, well, and it was a split season, but the first half of the season was earlier this year. The second half of the season was in the fall. Um, but they started out by, uh, spoiler alert, even though it happens midway through the the season premiere, they killed the Doctor, the main character. And then the entire season was structured around trying to find out how and when even though we'd already seen it and why and all of that and so that gave the series a lot of of drive and narrative uh, urgency and they also had uh some really great monsters which of course any sort of uh monster kind of show has to have a you know strong uh i would say antagonist so this season we got the silence who are these very creepy uh 
uh, aliens who, as soon as you can't see them, they erase your memory of their existence. And so it's just a terrifying concept, and it's, it was very well executed. Um, we also got uh, Neil Gaiman wrote one of the episodes this season, The Doctor's Wife, which was a beautiful look at the character of the Doctor and his relationship with his, his spaceship, the TARDIS, um, as well as a number of other really really funny or, or, or powerful or emotional episodes over the course of the season. We got to know Amy and Rory and River, the companions, much better. And, um, yeah, there, there were a few, you know, pirates, <laughs> pirate story or uh, less, just less uh, thrilling elements to the season. But on the whole, it was really strong. So I, I think it, it earns its spot at number 10. I'll have to trust you on that one. Uh, one show we're agreed on is The Good Wife. You don't want me picking up Zach and Grace? I don't, but I can't control what Peter needs from you. What you need from me. But I can control my home. I don't want you in here, Jackie. I don't want you going through my things. I don't want you in my computer. You're hurting your children. I might be. But that's between me and them. And I would never take your word for it. And I thought this was interesting that we both, uh, there was so much difference in where we put everything on our list. Uh, there were three that we agreed on, and one of them was we both had the good wife at number eight. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was interesting. So we've been talking about this on the show for, for weeks now, but uh, why precisely is it on your list? Well, it, it, and it's worth noting my placement of everything above, say, number five is pretty much arbitrary. Uh, <laughs> I My secret is that I hate lists. But anyway, The Good Wife. Um, I think there was no perceptible dip in quality this season, which is which is great. Um, they've really managed to eke out a special place for themselves because they are a legal procedural on a broadcast network, and they aren't terrible. <laughs> or, sorry, let's be more accurate. They aren't mind-numbingly mediocre, which is what most of these things are. Uh, the writing is whip-smart. The characters are, for the most part, interesting. The acting ensemble is incredible. The guest roster is ridiculous. Uh, the, the sort of moral universe of the show is very similar to our own, which is always interesting and always very difficult to do. Um, I think Juliana Margulies is a great series lead and also one of the most ambiguous in terms of uh, her, her sort of journey. Because we really don't know where she's headed or what decisions she'll make in, in, in a given episode. And that's a that's another really tricky thing to do while maintaining audience sympathy, which she does. Uh, I don't know. What did you think? Well, I think it has been a great season, and it's just one of those those shows that we love having and on TV and being able to talk about on the Televerse because it's so consistent and it's incredibly reliable. And I think that uh, sometimes we don't give enough credit to those shows that week in and week out are always at the worst good. Um, and and at their best, fantastic. So I, I think it's been, I mean, everything you said is is, is accurate, and I agree with it. Um, I would say their, their, their biggest success is their balance, their ability to balance procedural with serial, to balance all of the ridiculous number of characters that they have going on, which for the most part they, they do with aplomb. And it's just, it's a, a really great like I said, reliable, consistent show. Every week it's good. And yeah. I would like, and this show shows what, 
what a procedural can be and Mm -hmm. it's easy to paint the the that genre with with a wide brush and say procedurals are boring procedurals are repetitive and this is a prime example that they don't have to be Mm -hmm. and that it's possible to make a show thrilling every week without necessarily the freedoms of pay cable or which can sometimes be just as restrictive yeah as i think boss showed us yeah Anyway, moving on. Let's move on to some of our categories we had here. We have a few of them. Let's start with Best Discovery. What was the the series or character or or even the single element of a show that you were most happy to discover this year? Uh, this discovery is actually courtesy of the Sound on Sight staff uh, because, as you previously mentioned, the British quiz show uh, QI, or Quite, in- uh, or quite Interesting, uh, made an appearance on our staff top 20. I had never heard of it before, or if I had, I'd forgotten. And it's delightful. I had to watch a, a whole bunch of it on uh, on the YouTube in order to familiarize myself so I could write the piece. And I ended up watching way more than was necessary. Because I was going to say, you had to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was such an ordeal. Um, it, it, honestly, if you if you put Stephen Fry and people like D- David Mitchell and, uh, and Bill Bailey and all the end, you know, these sort of British comics I love in a room long enough and just get them shooting the shit, which is basically what the show is. Um, you're going to have a good time. And I, I love that it's a trivia show that's not really oriented around winning so much as just, you know, just rambling and trying to out interesting each other. I think that's a fantastic idea. Nice. Um, I unfortunately still haven't seen very much of the show, but every, you know, Stephen Fry, you got to love him, right? Yeah, you do. Yeah. It's it's a it's and it, and if you're in the UK, it's a government mandate. <laughs> now, uh, for me, my mine is a bit predictable, um, at least to those who listen carefully to the podcast. This season, uh, this year was the first time I caught up with Parks and Rec, and so my best discovery is Ron fucking Swanson. Yeah, I I had heard so much about this character. I had seen clips. But I was not ready for him to be <laughs> as awesome, but more than that, as well-rounded and thought out and real of a character as he is. Unlike so many of these um, standout characters on, on sitcoms who are the breakaway, you know, most entertaining element, he feels like a real person. And he's not just standing there with his mustache being libertarian all the time. He is a good friend and he is good at his job. And so Ron Swanson, that's my discovery of the year. And so glad to have discovered it or him. That is Um, now next we have biggest disappointment. I have to give that one to the league, which almost isn't fair because I did give up on this season midway through, but I thought they had a really strong uh, second season last year after you know sort of a middling first one and they quickly lost me this year and i think it was about losing i think they lost some of their sort of pared down no frills um just sort of improv riffing approach and went a little more high concept a little more often and also brought in more guests and i don't know i just i think it lost something so i I, i'm sorry guys i gotta give it to you even though i do basically enjoy your show uh what about you well, I was so tempted. The immediate thing I thought of was, of course, Ringer, because I can't believe I watched that for five weeks now, <laughs> looking back on it. But then uh, I remembered what happened to me this summer, which was I watched Tor- Torchwood Miracle Day and reviewed it for the website. And right. I loved that third season. Torchwood uh, Children of Earth is one of the best 
bits of sci-fi that's been on TV in the past 20 years. And then we got Tortured Miracle Day. And I'm sorry, I know the the Defenders are out there and maybe I'm going to, you know, anger some of our listeners, but it was terrible. There were some good elements here and there. John Barrowman and Eve Miles are incredibly charismatic and much better actors than what they were given. And it was sort of nice to discover Lauren Ambrose on the show. I haven't seen um, Six Feet Under, so this was my first real introduction to her, and I think she's great. But as a whole, it was an utter failure of a series, and I'm very disappointed in the show. I actually heard that if you rearrange the letters of Torchwood, you get fail. <laughs> the less said about that season, the better. The best. Let's move on to most gruesome. All right. I have a slightly unorthodox pick for most gruesome, and it goes to Grimm. I mean, it would be easy to give this to a to a pay cable show or something like Breaking Bad, where it's you know you've got people melting in in, in tubs and or some or even something like CSI. But Grimm was the only one that at least once conjured up an image that I actually had to take my face away from. And I'm thinking specifically of like the beasting victims from several weeks back. Uh, that stuff was brutal. And even even unexpectedly gory stuff like the like the guy who got eaten up by rats in his car and I don't know I feel like they 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 may have pushed the envelope a little for 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 basic uh, for broadcast network drama I don't know I guess I just wasn't expecting that from that level of of goriness from Grimm so hats off to them even though some, most other aspects of the show haven't totally blown me away. Yes, Grimm did definitely uh, join my the, the Bones memorial list of shows to not watch while you're eating, at least uh, at the beginning of the episode. Um, for me, I, it's a very obvious pick, but I, I still think it's accurate. I'm going with Walking Dead. Um, they're very good at their zombies. I, you know, it's hard to not remember the the zombie splitting in half in the well this this season or first half of the season at least. So for excellent makeup and excellent creature design, I'm giving it to Walking Dead. So next we have the most underrated or show that more people should watch. Um, I have a feeling we might have the same pick here, but who did you go with? Oh, I don't think we do. Uh, I'm going to give it to a show that I don't think was that great, but I don't think deserved its fate either. I'm going to give it to Free Agents, which Mm. I don't think it was half as bad as people thought it was. And I also think it was a good site better than Up All Night, which wound up getting, I think, a full season order uh, and may even get renewed just be, just on the strength of its cast. Uh, I, I, I found it semi-consistently amusing over the course of its of, of the few episodes I watched. And uh, I, I think it, it was actually good de- a good deal better than many of the shows that went on to get full seasons. So, yeah. But, of course, there's no accounting for taste when it comes to humor. Uh, what about you? Well, it's... Very predictable, but again, but I went with Prime Suspect. It's not on my top ten, but I felt like this was a, a good place to mention it. They've they started out a, a little weaker, but uh, but they got a lot stronger, and we have I think two or three episodes left um, coming to us this this uh, this season, and it's probably canceled. The official word hasn't gone out yet, but but hey, while it's still on, catch a few episodes before this I, I, yet another very strong procedural goes away. All right. Uh, next up, we have most promising. What do you think? I went with happy endings because I do consistently like the show. I think it's it can be very good, but I don't think it's yet lived up to uh, the the Halloween episode. I think their Halloween episode was excellent, and 
it shows when everything works together in the same episode, this can be a really great show. So while I do usually enjoy it, uh, I think it has potential to improve. So I'm going with happy endings. All right. Uh, I'm going to quite boringly uh, go with Homeland, which was a show that I had absolutely no expectations for. And uh, quietly, I think, blew just about everyone away. That being said, I'm not convinced that it can't do just a little bit better. So I'm I'm putting it there in the hope that it will it will blossom even further in its uh, in its second season, which at first I couldn't even rationalize how it would even have. <laughs> oh, my sweet summer child, what do you know about fear? Fear is for the winter, when the snows fall a hundred feet deep. Fear is for the long night, when the sun hides for years and children are born and live and die, all in darkness. That is the time for fear, my little lord, when the white walkers move through the woods. Maybe we should get the suite here for him, okay? Ben Wyatt! Hello! Uh, hi, Leslie. Good to see you. You too. Wow, you're really burning up. Can I get some money for uh, the cab that I took over here, please? Sure, how much? I'm not sure. I looked at the meter and it had Egyptian hieroglyphics on it. Wow. Do you know the exchange rate? So, should we do this? Oh boy, hold on. Be careful. What? The floor on the wall just switched. Okay. Walk very carefully. Next we have... Uh... A, few, a couple that we disagreed pretty strongly on their placement, which is why they're paired together. We have Game of Thrones and Parks and Rec. Now, you had Game of Thrones as your number three, I want to say? Yes. I had it as my number nine. Uh, Whoa! Yeah. Controversy. <laughs> and Parks and Rec, I had as my number three, and you had as your number ten. So, let's right. talk Game of Thrones. G- Game of Thrones, I don't know what your problem is. Uh, I was uh, I was quite happy to be writing about this show on a week to week basis. I had not read George R. R. Martin's books, and I will continue to not read them, especially as I hear that uh, they plan to hew very closely to the books for the show. They did that for the first season. I'm assuming they're going to more or less proceed at a book per season ratio. Uh, no. Maybe you're, no, you don't think that's going to happen. They uh, get really complex. <laughs> okay, well, the, the show's been fairly complex so far. Uh, anyway, I, th- I think it's th- it's the most ambitious attempt at TV fantasy that I can remember, uh, and it's certainly much more on my alley than something like Once Upon a Time. Uh, it's I, I just I love the way it, it with with the exception of a few early episodes where the sex is a little, uh, uh, I, I think it manages to fold in the possibilities of HBO uh, quite organically with the sort of dark mortal universe they're going for uh so many memorable characters so many memorable scenes uh the the production design is outstanding the uh writing is mostly fantastic the acting is fantastic uh i don't know why you you've got it so low well for me if there was a they didn't mess it up award it would go to game of thrones because like you mentioned i i have read the book and the reason it's so low for me is that while it was an excellent season i think it was uh, on the whole very well done the reason that's it's low is that while i did really enjoy it i spent most of the weeks that i watched it with a bit of an emotional detachment um and i think that's probably just me uh but i kept having a sense of Oh, yep, here's that scene from the books. Oh, they executed it well. Oh, here's that scene from the books. 
oh, they executed it well. And I, they, it took several weeks for me to get beyond that and to feel really engaged with the characters and, and to have that, that sense of um, urgency and, and such that I'm sure that people who didn't already know what was coming might have gotten sooner than I did. So I, I think that... Uh, that that probably it's more of a my issue than the show, but that's why it's it, where it's at on my list because you know we get to do that when we make yeah, up you, our own yeah, rules. Yeah, you do. I, and I think that's more evidence to back up the fact that I should be uh, ditching books and sticking to television because I, I, I'm I'm going to demonstrate some solidarity with the medium and say no, I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to let books ruin my TV. Come on. Well, and I will say the the scenes that we got that weren't in the book that were in the the show were all I think were seamlessly uh, added in and I think very well done and well written to to match the 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 tone of the show. And uh I I also while the books are fantastic and I do highly recommend them to anybody who's looking for, you know, who is interested, go check them out. They're great. Um I, and they might actually make it easier to, re, you know, to, to understand everything that's going on. But I'll be interested to see what I think of the second season when I haven't like just read the books, which is sort of how these other ones happened. The first season mm -hmm. happened for me. Um, next, we have Parks and Rec. Now, I loved it. I thought it was great. And of course, uh, if, if it was just season four this year, it wouldn't be as high on the list as it is for me. But the entirety of season three, which I think is one of the best seasons of a comedy we've gotten in a long time, also aired this year. So uh, so that's why it's up at number three for me. Why is it so far down for you? Uh, I'd like to just reverse the logic you just used. I think season three was, like you said, a fantastic with very few dips in quality. Uh, but then we also got season four, which we're halfway, th we're roughly halfway through right now. And I think if it had just been the quality of season four, I'm not even sure it would have made my list. It's Ooh. not been, it's not been a horrendous season or anything, but it's, it's sort of been downgraded in my mind from like stellar to just sort of quite enjoyable. I think it's been a little bit too content just being funny and cute every week and sort of, you know, sort of mildly touching instead of, you know, sort of the sort of great TV we got in season three. So just sort of the average between the two seasons got it a little lower. I might have had it a little too low. Like I said, my placement was a little arbitrary, below five. But uh, but I just my, my I think it was just the recent episode sort of poisoning my view of it, which is a strong word to use. But uh, you're absolutely right. The season three is absolutely the my favorite, the the best comedy I saw this year. I mean, straight up comedy, not including uh, some other stuff we'll be talking about. Yeah, and I mean, just so that we've gone and mentioned it a bit more than just saying the show is really good which it is and hopefully anybody listening to this will have will have seen it but uh i mean we have amy poehler who who leads that show with such uh such i was gonna say poise but maybe that's not the right word just uh the 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 leslie character really centers the show and keeps everything moving and uh i i, I think uh it's time for amy poehler to start getting some of the tina fey love uh yeah, that's uh yeah spread that around a little bit. And then of course you have, I think it's, it was such a boon to the show to add in, uh, Adam Scott and, uh, Rob Lowe. Uh, and, and it, you know, it's one of those shows that it's had such a, a huge shift in trajectory, at least in my opinion, since they kind of figured out what they wanted to do with Leslie, what they wanted to do with Andy once they added in and Ben and Chris. So, um, yeah, it's been, and then of course, as I mentioned earlier, Ron fucking Swanson. I mean, come on. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not sure that the, that 
out of the people you've mentioned, I think Rob Lowe's been folded in really well. I'm a little disappointed with what's happened with Adam Scott. I kind of feel like over time he's sort of taken up the Paul Schneider slot of the guy who mostly reacts to things and is sort of like a is a love interest because he's there and not necessarily because he and Amy Poehler have the greatest chemistry. Uh, well, but I disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, but, but I can yeah, see what you're I, saying, though. But I uh, but I agree with everything else you're saying for sure, uh, and, and especially yeah, you, there's no fronting on Nick Offerman, and he's just fantastic. And also as his Ansari, and mm. and Chris Pratt, who's one of the absolute funniest yeah. people on TV. Well, and let's give some love, send some love to April too, because I mean, come on, she's, she's just the best kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, she's great, and uh, and I must say that the uh, the fancy party from season three was one of the most touching things uh, we've seen, and and one of the best TV weddings I think ever. Yeah, it was and so perfect for the characters. Yeah. Um, let's move to our next show, which is Homeland. What a surprise. Sergeant Brody's on this list. Well, it's not my fault Estes let him in the room with me. Expected to find your resignation on my desk this morning. Uh, a much better idea, don't you think? Did you forget the things you said? Yes, please. He's right, you know. You embarrassed him in there. Who okay. gives Saul, we're going to get Brody. I'll never pass the polygraph test. I'll bet you everything I've got. Everything, including my monk's dream, signed by Thelonious himself. I prefer Coltrane, not so fussy. We are, you already mentioned it as, you know, is one of the most promising. I had it as my number five. You had it as your number six. So I mean, we keep spotlighting it on the, on, on the Televerse. And uh, now that it's over, we're going to have some trouble filling it, I think, in the, in the spotlight section. But, uh, I mean, what haven't we said about Homeland? Well, I think it was just a bolt from the blue. I mean, we uh, if it hadn't been for Homeland, there wouldn't have really been any completely great TV this this mm-hmm. this fall slash winter uh, after the end of Breaking Bad. Um, and I, th- I think that was I, th- I mean, the central performances were all incredible. Uh, Claire Danes, Mandy Patinkin, uh, Damian Lewis, who especially I mean, in, in that finale we just watched was absolutely mind blowing and absolutely key to making that whole thing work. The whole season was a high wire act that could have tumbled any moment and i think only seriously did once uh in in a key backstory episode mm-hmm. and that's a remarkable feat for a first season i'm not sure everyone is giving it enough credit yeah the we, we i feel like we get a lot of praise for claire danes's performance and damian lewis's performance every now and again mandy patinkin gets some love first of all marina backrin should be getting more love because she's doing a great job with her less flashy character a, but a quite, th- a quite thankless role yeah yeah, and, and the kids, of course, are, are great, too. But I think you, we need to be spreading, uh, sharing the love to the creators and producers as well, because it is a very difficult thing to do. And uh, while while maybe it's not in my top five first seasons ever, I think it's definitely in the conversation. And to keep taking risks the way that they did in the show, I know the number of times where we're like, oh, Oh, they're going to stop doing this and completely change the direction of the show. Okay, well, I don't know if that'll work, but that's ha- that happened at least three times during the the season. I, you know, when they took the cameras down, then they had the weekend, then they, you know, so it's just it's a very well made and and uh, interesting and not complacent yeah. series. And I, I also like the way it sort of seemed like a blend of sensibilities between the people running the show. I mean, you had producers and creators of Twenty Four mixed with Henry Brommel, who wrote several episodes of the season, was also a producer, who was the showrunner on Rubicon. And you have sort of that 
I, I want to say some would say cynical. I would call it realistic worldview uh, mixed with, you know, sort of these terrorist plots. And I, th- I think it was a it was another uh, sort of seamless integration uh, between these uh, these two seemingly competing sensibilities that actually like chocolate and peanut butter went great together. Yep. It's a great season. Let's move on to our categories. We have first most improved. Right. Uh, most improved. I'm going to give to boardwalk empire. Uh, I was utterly bored uh, through what I saw the first season and uh, to, to which, you know, many people protested at me for um, I, despite the incredible production values, I was not engaged with the characters or the master plot or, mo- or most of the acting. Uh, but I'd heard so much great stuff about the second season that I felt like I should pick it up, and I'm glad I did. It didn't quite make my top ten, but I think it's really grown into a much more engaging show that still could use some work and is clearly not up to the level of Terrence Winter's former show, uh, which I won't name here, because <laughs> uh, I know that people don't like that association. Uh, but I do think it made great strides. Uh, how about you? I went with, uh, it's a bit of a cheat, I, I suppose, but I went with It's Always Sunny. And the reason it's a bit of a cheat is that I didn't see very much of last season. But I had been completely off the Always Sunny bandwagon. I was tired of the show. I didn't think it was very funny or at least very consistent. And then this season started and I checked back in and I'm incredibly glad I did. I think it's uh, uh, one of the better seasons the show has had and a marked improvement from when I was, it, it's been a, a couple years since I was, um, I felt the impetus to check back in week after week. So I gave it to Always Sunny. So it's not that the show improved, it's that you improved. Maybe. Maybe I'm a more <laughs> terrible person and I can relate with those characters better. Um, I personally think it's just that they're funnier this year. So Fair enough. Next up we have Best Badass. What did you now, think? You are not going to like my pick, or nope, well, actually, you, won't, not. you might not. You you may not dislike it. You just may think it's boring. But I'm going with the companions from Doctor Who, and I was just going to go with River Song. But then I remembered a couple Amy moments. And then I was going to go with Amy, and then I remembered how completely badass Rory is. So I decided to go with them as a trio of complete badassery at various different moments. Amy Pond, Rory Williams, and River Song from, from Doctor Who. And if you watch the show, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, then it doesn't matter what I say. All right. Uh, my award for Best Badass is a tie. And it's shared between two people who I think helped to redefine what badasses could be. Uh, first up is Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights, uh, who is a badass on the field and a perfectly good family man at home. And... Uh, I, I, I like the idea of badasses as humans, as and not superhuman killing machines. And on that note, I'd like to add the uh, second, the, the the co-winner of Best Badass, who is Saul Berenson from, uh, played by Mandy Patinkin from Homeland. Another guy who is very, very good at his job, uh, but still has a home life or tries to uh, somewhat less successfully. And uh, just the scenes of, of him... Uh, facing down terror suspects uh and then you know also caring for carrie uh i think was he just was a a fully well-rounded person and also a badass Uh, my i also have a special award for worst badass which uh, i don't think you have one but i'm gonna give it to cullen bohannon from hell on wheels Uh, one of the most i found the most boring protagonist uh possibly all year uh, in in a close competition with the guy from the Playboy Club, um, <laughs> who, who who no one will ever bring up again. Uh, yeah, not not a good 
not not a good badass. I'm sorry. Uh, try I I think trying too hard is a is a good is a good term for it. Uh, next up, we have the Pleasantville Award for the show you would most like to actually spend time in. Um, I was, you know, the easy answer for this for me is, of course, Doctor Who, because you get to travel through space and time and meet, uh, see history in person and go into the future and meet aliens and all that. But I decided they have too high of a mortality rate or getting your memory wiped or being stuck in a parallel universe or, or, or. So I decided, uh, I don't know if this is really eligible, but I'm going with The Amazing Race because... That just seems like it's really cool, and you know that you're not going to die because it would be really bad publicity. So Really good uh, ratings, though. Really good ratings, probably. But uh, I don't know. I, that seems like a show that would be really great to get to experience. Fair enough. I went with Parks and Recreation. I, I, I feel like if I lived in, in Pawnee and I was having a hard time, I could just walk down to City Hall and get myself a job or a friend <laughs> You could be a shoe shinist. <laughs> I could be a shoe shiner. I could be. I could be the shoe shiner's shoe shiner. Like they, they can always <laughs> find space in the budget for you. And uh, I don't think there's any anyone who's having a really tough time in Pawnee. Yeah, sounds pretty good. Um, next, we have uh, award for best chemistry. And who did you uh, give this one to? I know there was some talk of uh, a little man crush action, but uh, which way'd you go? Uh, yeah, this is going to be another tie, actually. Um, Best Chemistry is a tie between Gretchen Maul and Michael Pitt on <laughs> on Boardwalk Empire, and if you watch oh. the show, you know just how wrong that is. Wrong, 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 wrong. But there's no denying it. There is no <laughs> denying it. And and also for anyone who is totally shocked by that turn of events, I would ask you to rewatch the season because there was all kinds of foreshadowing, yicky icky foreshadowing. <laughs> um, and uh, the my other uh, winner for this category is me and Timothy Oliphant. Uh, do you know? Do you happen to remember which end of the Kinsey scale is the gay end? Is it zero or, or ten or seven or whatever it was? Anyway, I, Timothy Oliphant is the one that nudges me ever so slightly closer to the center. Uh, I, strange things happen when I watch uh, Justified. Sometimes it's good that we live far away from each other. <laughs> I uh, went a little more traditional, and I had to give this one to Eric and Tammy Taylor, Coach and Mrs. Coach. The best married couple in the history of television, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're just amazing together. And uh, both, they they they, uh, they work well together, and they're compelling to watch on screen. The actors are great together. And uh, they, they, they get through their, they, they do comedy well, they do drama well. They're a great pair, Coach and Mrs. Coach. All right, next up is Best Production Values, and I am boringly going to give this one to Game of Thrones. When, yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, yeah. When when I heard about this series, I thought there's no way they're going to be able to – even on an HBO budget, I could not see them convincingly creating a whole fantasy universe without lots of awful CG, which was which turned out to be very minimal. And just the way they pulled off the, the Great Wall of Ice uh, yeah. was just incredible. Uh, the music was fantastic. The opening theme alone uh, was, is amazing. Um, the, uh, like I said, the effects, the costumes, the, the, the fake languages. I mean, like, there's just there's just so much going into the making of that show. Well, and there's also stunts, the great action yes, set yeah, yeah. pieces. Uh, just this is a show. When I started to hear about it, the the show it kept being compared to, at least in my head and couple other places I was reading was Rome, which, if you haven't seen it, is a fantastic HBO series. It only ran two years, but is 
excellent. It's about uh, it's about the ancient Rome, the rise of Caesar, etc. And it's one that they filmed on location in Italy. They built the Senate. They just built Rome, and it looks amazing. And so when they we found out that they were going to be filming Game of Thrones on location in Ireland. I started to have fears because the problem that came up with Rome is that it was just so expensive to produce that they had eventually, though it, it got great reviews, they had to cancel it. It was just too expensive. So I was worried that that might happen with Game of Thrones or that they might try to skimp on some of that to to uh, to make sure that it wasn't a problem. So when I, I was so relieved when, first of all, the show got great ratings, but then to see that they, that they went the whole nine yards with it. And you mentioned The Wall of Ice. Just watching, uh, I know they put the first um, opening teaser of of the pilot out a, a couple weeks before the the premiere, and that is that correlates to the uh, prologue in the first book, and it is a perfect imagining of, for example, the wall, but just that whole world north of the wall that it. Th- George R. R. Martin is an excellent writer, and he's he's very evocative in his language, and they they captured his 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 world just perfectly as well, if not better, than Peter Jackson do, has done with the Lord of the Rings, and hopefully the trailer looks good with the Hobbit. So uh, yeah, I think this has to go to Game of Thrones. Sammy. Hey, honey. You know, I wanted to talk to you about what you said about us not being East Coast people. I mean, you know how much I love Texas. I love it here so much. But we will never know if we're not East Coast people. We've got a really big problem. We can always come back. We have got a much bigger problem than what you're talking about. What? Matt Saracen asked your daughter to marry him. Julie? What are you talking about? No, Gracie. Yes, Julie came into my office today, and he asked for Julie's hand in marriage. He asked me for her hand in marriage. At least he had the decency to come talk to you. No, he didn't have any decency to come talk to me, because he already talked to her. And you know what your daughter said? Your daughter said yes. No. Oh, yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. They're too young. That's what I said. honey, what'd you tell them? I said, oh, great, let's break out some champagne. This is going to be fantastic. I don't know why you're yelling at me. Give me a beat. Go ahead. 
Tell me what you think. It's good. It does taste like apple pie. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> it was already in the glass, not in the jar. Why Dickie and Megan drink and be okay? Too late now, Walt. Madison already doing its work. Even if you got on a helicopter right now, you'd still be past care. Those were clips from uh, three more of our shows, Friday Night Lights, Always Sunny, and Justified. Now, we had, uh, of course, this was the final season for Friday Night Lights. Uh, it aired on Direct TV last year, but on NBC this year, so it, it still qualifies. It was number four for me, number seven for you. Um, you we know we, you, you guys know we love it. We did a spotlight on it um, back before the Televerse started. Uh, talk to me about Friday Night Lights, Simon. Uh, it's the one that's least fresh in my memory right now. I think it was the show that always was going to have the hardest time finding an audience. More specifically, finding a serious audience of discerning TV watchers who would watch things like Breaking Bad or Boardwalk Empire, but wouldn't necessarily be up for what seemed to be a silly show about teenagers and football in rural Texas um, that they think wouldn't appeal to them, which is really too bad because... It was a top-notch drama that I think uh, only rarely lapsed into sort of, you know, teen drama tropes. Um, I, I'm not sure if the, if the fifth season was the absolute best, but it was definitely a strong season uh, that featured a, a fairly note-perfect ending. And I'm also glad that the show went out when it did and not sort of dragging itself on too long or, or you know, contriving new ways to keep going. And I'm and I'm grateful that it got as far as it did because it was imperiled several times. Yeah, it, Friday Night Lights is one of those. I think it'll be a evergreen series down the line uh, because it is so very much of a place, and you could argue of a time though. No one seems to have a cell phone in, in this area of Texas, um, and it's so very much itself. And uh, they, I think they handled the, the changeover with the cast as the high school students left fairly well. You know, they, they you know, you get to the, what is it, the fourth season and all of a sudden characters that you're pretty sure were sophomores or juniors the first year. Turns out they were freshmen because we don't want them to graduate yet. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, uh, and so there was a little awkwardness there, but by the time you get to the fifth season, I think they had really found uh, their footing with their new cast of, of high school characters. There was some wasted opportunity with Hastings, for example, but um, on the whole, this is a, just a, an incredibly truthful and and beautiful look at what the the experience of a certain percentage of the population is and for considering most series take place in new york or la or increasingly this year chicago woohoo chicago represent um it's nice to see a, a take and a look at at the south uh, you know i don't know or texas more specifically that isn't hicks and isn't one-dimensional um 
and and uh, isn't you know Breaking Bad where they're all terrible crooks and people. It just shows good people trying to live good lives, and I I think we would be better off as a as a people if we had more respect and time for a show like Friday Night Lights. That's uh, eloquently put. Speaking of good people merely trying to live their lives, next up we have It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, <laughs> uh, which is probably the polar opposite. Uh, season seven, and how many comedies can you say are have been around for seven seasons or longer? I mean, this has been renewed for another two, I think. Um, and that are still finding new ways to entertain, or at least getting, or at least maintaining to be very good at uh, at the ones that they've already established. Um, I mean, this was a show that uh, I, I think it's had its ups and downs, and I'm not really sure, even in context, if season seven is is one of their absolute best. But I do think it had a handful of their best episodes, and I I think that Rob McElhinney deserves some kind of award for his heroic 50 pound weight gain, uh, which which he did only in the sake only for only in the name of comedy and i think that that's absolutely spectacular even if i'm i'm not i'm not sure if they really exploited it more than just having him around really <laughs> uh, i mean it, it, with the exception of a couple episodes uh but i i love it's always sunny i'm happy that it's it's found its niche and i also think that danny devito has had the weirdest career in hollywood history <laughs> but one you'd, uh, you would you got to have respect for i would say yes now, you, I had this at number six. You had this at number nine. Um, the the single thing that put this show on my list was the fact that of all of the TV I have watched, particularly since we started doing the Televerse, this is the show that has most consistently made me laugh out loud. And there's... When, when you talk about comedy, a lot of it just tends to be very personal and very straightforward. Did you laugh? Did it make you laugh? And even in its weaker episodes, Always Sunny almost always makes me laugh. And then when you add in the fact that they had some amazing episodes this season, I've already you know given a lot of love to Charlie McDennis, which I think is one of the best show episodes in the series history. But you also had Frank's Little Beauties. You also had, <laughs> I mean, you, you, they're just, all of the, the first, what, five or six episodes are, are fantastic. You know, it, was it the storm, the, the, getting ready for the storm? And I we enjoyed the flashback episode and uh, how Matt got fat. There were all just, there's a lot of really great comedy this season. And uh, they, they make terrible characters entertaining to spend time with and that's not always mm -hmm. easy to do yeah and i think also they, they really push the limit for likability i mean you do you root for them even though you know they're horrible people and they're doing horrible and sometimes even hurtful and dangerous things although usually it's to themselves which is probably <laughs> which probably also helps um i do think that i was a little disappointed by the two-part finale which sounded like a like a total win-win situation and ended up just okay although it did feature at least one fantastic moment uh, but that be that being said, I, I, I'm really glad that the gang's still around and still kicking it. Yep. Next, we had Justified, which was my number seven, your number five, and uh, I, I, it's I love westerns. It's on the it's on the uh, the books. You can see, look up my uh, article on westerns at soundonsite.org. And setting a, a western now doesn't necessarily seem like it should work, but if there ever was an example that it clearly does i think that's that's justified talk to me about justified simon for some people it's ron fucking swanson well for me it's raylan fucking givens 
what a great series lead. What a, what a great central character. I mean, the show's got a lot of other stuff going for it, but I think it would all be lost were it not for Raylan, who is simultaneously um, funny and a crack, sh- obviously a crack shot, and um, and you know, and and a badass and all this stuff, but also has this has this layer of tragedy that's so far so far underneath that you can almost never see it which i think makes him such a lovely contrast to so many uh series leads that are so that have you know tragedy or sadness or anger or whatever at the forefront uh for Raylan, there there's there's there it's it's almost subtextual uh what i also liked about this particular season is that the body count from season 1 especially just on Raylan's behalf was a little ridiculous i think he shoots <laughs> At he least shoots. a person an episode for he like kills. the first half yeah. of the season. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, not just not just shoots, kills. And they actually take his gun away in the first episode of this season, almost to say, almost as if to say, "Yeah, we know." <laughs> <laughs> and the the body count is is drastically lowered this season, which I think was a, a really good move. Um, in in general, the show was a lot less ridiculous this season, although it was still a little bit ridiculous in a good way. Uh, and of course, we also had Margot Martindale, and enough has been said about her. And her her kids, Brad William Henke and um, and Jeremy Davies, and the other one who I can never remember, but was just as good. Uh, yeah, who, uh, Doyle. Uh, who was Doyle? Yeah, yeah. He also uh, in a, again a less showy role, but still fantastic. Uh, yeah, just one of the most consistently entertaining shows uh, around. I'm really excited to have it back next year. Yeah, it's one that it's probably the show I'm most looking forward to starting up here pretty soon. Um, there's it's okay. Justified is one of those shows that, first of all, when you're starting it out, if they can execute Elmore Leonard's tone, which they do, that's going to give you a leg up. And then you have a fantastic character set that it's centered around. And then you have a fantastic actor bringing that character to life. And then you have him surrounded by, I mean, Walton Goggins is amazing. We taking out the 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 series uh, guest stars, I would say, of Margot Martindale and just the entire Bennett clan. Everybody else in the cast is fantastic. And while I did have problems here and there with this season, you know, resulting in it being a little lower on my list, it's still it's an excellent show week in and week out. And it's one that uh, I would put up there with the the Good Wife as one of the and Homeland as one of the most consistent shows on television. I, of course, I caught up with it in, you know, a marathon viewing, but it was an easy show to keep going to the next episode with because every episode fed into the next in some ways. Uh, they almost all had some element that was a little more standalone as well, which helps. And uh, yeah, it's it's an excellent series and it's so nice to have Westerns back on television. Mm-hmm. And although some more welcome than others. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I also just wanted to point out, I, I like that, that some elements of the show are familiar and some are foreign, but it, some also are sort of nice twists on things we've seen before, like the relationship between Raylan and Art, mm-hmm. uh, his boss, I think is one of the best on the show. Uh, it's not merely, you know, the finger wagging boss who says, no, 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 don't do that. Um, there, there's an ele- there's, there's sort of a, there's a paternalistic element to their relationship that I find fascinating, especially since Raylan's real father is such a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that uh, that I loved, and also R.I.P. R. Helen. Oh, what a great character. Yeah. 
Well, and so. and before we move on, um, I just I have to mention the music is fantastic in the series, yes. and there aren't enough shows on television that use music well, and one of them is Justified. Another we'll get to a little bit later here, but that's one of my biggest takeaways. Every episode is how much I love the music. Now awesome. let's let's move to our next categories. We have the Rest in Peace Award, also called, I believe it was the Tyler Labine Award for show that we will most miss. Um, yes. Who did you uh, go with for this one? Uh, even though it's not official yet, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Prime Suspect is in the dust. And so I'm giving it to that one, a show that never really has gotten much respect, even from even before it existed, I think. People were just so wary of uh, of the idea of someone making an exp- what they what they assumed would be an explicit remake of ITV's Prime Suspect with Helen Mirren, which it turned out not to be at all. Uh, it's it doesn't seem to me it's any more a remake of Prime Suspect than the closer is. Uh, it's you know a very different character, a very different dynamic. Um, I think that the show had a lot going for it, and you know it wasn't a perfect show, and I think. Had it, you know, had it not been on, on broadcast, maybe they, there's some things that they could have improved. Uh, the, the, it was maybe a little too episodic. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, but I think all these things could have been improved. I was so excited about this cast, and they totally lived up to it. I mean, Maria Bello, Kirk Acevedo, Kenny Johnson, uh, you know, Brian F. O'Byrne, uh, all fantastic. Aiden Quinn. Yeah. Aiden Quinn, yeah. And I'm going to miss seeing these guys uh, sort of, you know, uh, take the piss out of each other. And yeah, I, th- I think it was a really undervalued show. I didn't pick Prime Suspect because I'm still holding on with my death grip of hope that somehow maybe it'll find a way, even though I, I like logically, I know that's not going to happen. But so for that reason, and maybe not to jinx it, I didn't give this to Prime Suspect. And I, I, I know a lot of people who are listening who have seen this show will be screaming into their their iPods, men of a certain age. But that is unfortunately a show I have not been able to catch up with yet, though I do keep hearing amazing things. And it's one of the more prominent cancellations of the year, I would say. But I went with Chicago Code, which aired earlier this year and was a show that I actually really enjoyed. I think it wasn't a perfect show. Um, it, it had some, some problems, but I, th- I think it was good enough that it, I would have liked to have seen it stick around for a while. It had an excellent cast. Of course, it's by Sean Ryan, the creator of The Shield, so it would have been very interesting, I think, to see what he could do with the show, particularly in the net- network context, um, given a little more time to, to really see where it was going. But it's one that I, I really enjoyed while it was on um, and that I definitely will miss. Sounds like more typical crooked Chicago favoritism over there. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Um, let's move on to our best what-the-fuck moment. Uh, there are a lot of candidates, I would say, but what did you go with? You know, it would be very easy to give this to something like Breaking Bad or obvious, or, you know, the <laughs> a key moment from Boardwalk Empire Season 2. <laughs> but I'm going to go slightly unorthodox and go with a show that I probably wouldn't have mentioned in any other category otherwise. I'm going to give it to Alpha's for episode three of their first season in which a character you assumed was going to be around for the duration got a grisly demise in, I think one of the, one of the show's best executed sequences. Uh, And I'm just going to leave it at that for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, It wasn't a consistently great show by any means, but I do think it had, it, it maybe, maybe that should have won for most promising because I do think there's uh there's quite a lot that show could do in its seasons going forward to really, uh, 
to put sci-fi on the map. Sci-fi the network, rather, not the genre. Oh, Siffy, that is. <laughs> Siffy, yeah. <laughs> now, for me, there were a couple different ones I considered, of course. Fat Mac, which I thought was so hilarious, and if you hadn't read the press notes ahead of time, that would have been quite a surprise. Of course, True Blood is a show that builds itself around its WTF moments, and there were a few this season, I would say particularly, I thought the 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 penultimate episode of the season had a bunch of them that were great. <laughs> Gotta love Eric ripping out the stupid hippie's heart, uh, who was trying to, to protect Marnie. Um, but I, I, as much as it is predictable, I can't argue with box cutter breaking bad, uh, Gus taking the box cutter to, uh, to, to do what you, we all know he did. And it was just such a surprising and, visceral moment and one that absolutely set the tone for the rest of the season to come and one that I an action that I don't think you can really could really fully understand until later in the season when then when you look back on on it you can kind of understand why that happened but it really uh jolted the season off to a start so I'm going with Breaking Bad next we have most frustrating Mm -hmm. it would be easy for me to give this to Sons of Anarchy a show that I expressed some very clear frustration with uh, on the occasion of its finale uh, just a couple weeks ago. But I'm going to give this one to Community, and it's going to give it to Community for a few reasons. Not just because it was the most frustrating as a piece of television, but I also got frustrated with the fans. I got frustrated with the uh, the sort of sense from people that it was the greatest thing since bread came sliced, as <laughs> Michael Stipe would say. Um, I just, I really think that I, I, I like, I really like some aspects of the show. I, I think there's clearly a lot of talent involved, but I think people overrate what it does. And I'm sure we're, I'm getting, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hate mail directed my way for that sentiment, but I feel like it's harder to create a compelling show that is a compelling show rather than trying to make a, a funny show around sort of just this and increasingly this is what community is just increasingly around references around metatextual elements and saying you know referencing other shows and referencing its showness i i, I don't know increasingly it feels like a cop-out increasingly it feels like it's happy to be clever rather than to be clever and funny uh so that's so community wins my uh most frustrating award what about you um, i have a tie here and um I have it between two different series. The first is Modern Family because Modern Family can be really funny and it has a really good cast and it's shown that it is capable of doing very entertaining and interesting things with that cast. But in the past season, it has been incredibly complacent and has, has managed to devolve its characters from being interesting, well-rounded characters into absolute caricatures in at least half the cast, I would say, that is now the case, whereas they had been far more interesting characters in previous seasons. And the other show for me is Supernatural, and it's a show that, of course, I review for the website and I, I watch every week, and it's only really in the past few months when um, Sound Outside contributor Corey Tad had been... Uh, Catch, you know, catching up with the show and tweeting about it as he was watching it. And his tweets about season five just reminded me of how great that show was, how truly great Supernatural was in its, in its earlier years. And to con contrast uh, the 
the heights of season five and some of the other great episodes of the series with what we've been getting this past year is it's a it's a bit depressing and it's certainly certainly a frustrating thing. This season has gone up and down and has had some wasted opportunities, and it's been at times a bit hard uh, to to remind myself that this actually can be a really good show. So Supernatural and Modern Family are my most frustrating. All right. Next, we have best quote. So let's go ahead and take a listen to your pick. When you meet your gods, you tell them Shaga, son of Dolph, of the Stone Crow sent you. I'm Tyrion, son of Tywin, of Clan Lannister. How would you like to die, Tyrion, son of Tywin? In my own bed, at the age of 80, with a belly full of wine and a girl's mouth around my cock. So why did you go with this particular well, clip? I knew I was going to go for one of Tyrion's bombos, and uh, I thought this was a good one. I don't really think I have any more to say about it, except that uh, Tyrion could very well also have won the Badass Award. But that was a different kind of badass than I was going for. What do you got? Um, here is my pick. Help me. You took my baby from me and hurt her. And now she's all grown up and she's fine. I'll never see my baby again. But you'll still save me, though. Because he would. And he'd never do anything to disappoint your pre precious doctor. No, we have to go now. The doctor is very precious to me, right? But do you know what else he is, Madame Gavarian? Not here. <gasps> River Song didn't get it all from you, sweetie. And for those who don't recognize this, this is Amy Pond from Doctor Who in the season finale. And uh, I think it's one that, like I said earlier, I don't really need to explain because if you've seen the show, you know what, I, what, what the significance of this quote is. And if you haven't, then, then I don't, I think it would take too long to explain, but the Amy's baby being kidnapped was a big part of the season and an incredibly emotional moment that then was sidelined and not really mentioned for most of the second half of the season. And it, it was a, a real frustration. It seemed like the character had forgotten and it didn't make sense and it felt like a betrayal of the character. And so then to have that come back in such a big way, in such a badass way. Although I feel kind of bad for endorsing murder and thinking murder is badass, but to have it come back in such a big way was incredibly satisfying. <laughs> so I think you didn't excuse yourself at all. Um, <laughs> next up we have best, uh, not best episode of a show that did not make your top 10. And for my pick, I'm going with you're getting old. Uh, the key mid season finale of South park, which was, one of the most startling episodes I think they've they've ever done, and not startling in the I'm startled sense uh, that they previously made fun of. Uh, I, I mean, the idea of uh, having one of the one of these kid characters sort of uh, turn uh, whatever it is ten or whatever it is he's he's however old he's now meant to be, and suddenly becoming cynical and realizing that cynicism is 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 a thing that you can be, and the the, the way that the show blended. 
this very low comedy, the pro- some of the lowest comedy they've ever done. Although, <laughs> although also some of the most satisfying, uh, specifically the reel of fake movie trailers, which you may or may not be familiar with, um, uh, with some of the most uh, pathos laden material they've ever had. I think is just one example of how the sh- that show managed to. Uh, I think subvert expectations a little because I, I think a lot of us could might have expected uh, Parker and Stone to maybe take it a little easier this year because they just you know conquered Broadway, which is not easy to do, and uh, that turned out not to be the case. And I think uh, that episode in particular was uh, absolutely spectacular. I went with well, that's a great pick. First of all, um, I went a different way. I went with Fringe and Those We Left Behind, which was their fantastic episode from this most recent season with prominent guest stars, uh, Stephen Root and Romy Rosemont. And uh, the Fringe was close to making my top 10. I think it's been very consistent this season. I've really enjoyed watching it and I'm very glad that I decided to not just do Supernatural for the website because that would have been disappointing. So I'm very glad to be covering it at Sound On Sight. Um, but unfortunately, the end of last season was a bit of a letdown for me, and that was just enough to knock it off my top ten. But I did want to specifically mention this episode in this category because I think it was beautifully put together. It, Of course, we always love Stephen Root, but it was nice to, to see Romy Rosemont get some 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 time to shine. Of course, I only knew her as Finn's mom on, on Glee, but she's definitely one that I will now look for. And... If there ever was a, a couple, a real life couple who deserves a show, yeah, yeah we have Rob McElhaney and, and Caitlin Olson on Always Sunny. Let's get a Stephen Root and Romy Rosemont show on the air. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, have have fun pitching that one to the <laughs> under twenties. It it's it's it is a really strong episode. I I for my feelings on Fringe season four is that it hasn't really taken off yet, and I, I'm still kind of waiting for that to happen in the same way that it happened in the last two seasons. Uh, this was a great episode. I did feel like it was sort of uh, not necessarily a rehash, but sort of a return to territory we've we've seen them do before, specifically in the season two episode, White Tulip, which I think is still my favorite episode of Fringe. Uh, I, I don't think this quite hits that high, but it's a, it is a damn good episode for sure. Never give up control. Live life on your own terms. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. But... Uh... Cancer's cancer, so to hell with your cancer. I've been living with cancer for the better part of a year. So every few months I come in here for my regular scan, knowing full well that one of these times, hell, maybe even today, I'm going to hear some bad news. But until then, who's in charge? Me. That's how I live my life. Daddy, can I ask you something? No, let me finish brushing first. Daddy, but I really want to ask you something. Okay, what do you want to ask me? When are we going to go to Mama's again? Okay, tomorrow I take you to school. And then Mama picks you up. And then you're with her for a few days. And then you come back here. Oh, okay. I like Mama's better. I like Mama's better because she makes good food. And I love her more, so I like being there more. Okay. All right, baby. 
I like being here too. It just not as bad. Okay, let's rinse and spit, right? Come here. Okay. These are our final two shows. The two that we agreed on along with The Good Wife. We both had Breaking Bad as our number two and Louie as our number one. Um, and it was a, a great uh, two seasons of, of television. If ever there was a time when the summer is the best time for TV, it's 2011 as far as I'm concerned. Seriously, right? It's pretty ridiculous. Um, let's talk about Breaking Bad. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm really glad that Vince Gilligan has come out and said that next season is the last. I'm glad that they have a game plan, and this season shows that they have a game plan. Um, you know, in season two, they were sort of, I think, obsessively uh, planning events to the to the degree that you had flash forwards in every episode, and you ended up with a conclusion that was satisfying, but maybe slightly a, a little high on the coincidence-ometer. Um, then in season three, they decided they were going to freewheel it and ended up with what I still think is probably their best season, but I wasn't sure if they were going to be able to get away with another season of freewheeling. <laughs> and that's not what they did. They ended up sort of, uh, sort of blending the approach of the last two seasons for what I thought was, a uh, an almost not quite perfect, but an almost perfect season of Breaking Bad. Like I, like I said, just a hair's breadth under the quality of season three. Uh, and maybe only because we didn't get it quite as much Aaron Paul action as I would have liked, particularly in the last run of episodes. I, I, th I do think we lost sight of Jesse's motivations a little bit, uh, but that's nitpicking on a show that, like you mentioned, delivered uh, what the fuck moments up the wazoo right from that first episode, which I still think may have been the best of that season, uh, Just which almost sounds like a cop-out, but just the way this show will do something like take uh, the the way um gus's march down the uh down the lab steps and in front of them seemed to take forever yeah uh it, little things like that 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 other shows wouldn't do uh that end, end up being so significant and i think that all that it managed to just when it seemed like it was going to some, somewhat like what homeland did uh when it seemed like there were no good options or no good ways forward, it, it, it would find a fascinating loophole and run through it with gusto. I think it particularly did that at the end of the season when, when we were all wondering what the hell they were going to do. I'm uh, awaiting the last season with bated breath. I'm hoping they don't split it up into two summers because that would be agonizing. They're totally going to split it up into two summers, dude. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. But Breaking Bad, I mean, you said it, it's... It's consistently week after week. It's fantastic. It's fantastic what the fuck moments, but more than that, it's it's fantastic performances and surprising but logical um, decision making and and the and ballsiness I would say from both the characters, but particularly from Vince Gilligan as the showrunner. Um, for some, the season started out too slow. It, they they were bothered by its incredibly slow pace and it's something that we discussed in the past on on this uh, on the televerse but I, d I i really enjoyed spending the time we spent with particularly in um open house with marie or the 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 bit, the time we spent with hank trying you know ever so so um stubbornly to learn how to walk and being just a complete pain in the ass to his wife or or getting to see um Jesse fall on and off the wagon uh, in in the way that he did. It's it's just a fantastic series of television that makes everything else 
fall into sharp relief when when you compare pretty much any episode of Breaking Bad with pretty much any episode of any other show, particularly on the air right now, it's probably going to fall flat. And um, mm-hmm. it, it, as great as Homeland was, particularly in the, the finale of, of showing us pure tension, nothing compares with Breaking Bad for taking its time and its, and it, its patience and its willingness to spend, how much was it, two minutes, three minutes with... Walt just watching Gus approach a car. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. These these very filmic moments Having that his, other shows wouldn't make the time for. Absolutely on the edge. I was on the edge of my couch, not seat, but edge of my couch for that entire stare. Because you know, uh, doing what we do, we tend to, at least I tend to take notes when I'm watching shows or be trying to finish up something on my computer. That is, this is not a show that you can do that with, because it's from the moment you see these characters, they demand your attention. They just grab you and say, "I'm going to have you for the next sixty minutes." Mm-hmm. It's a great. Definitely, and and uh, you mentioned music and yeah. uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Both both in terms of scoring and in terms of the soundtrack choices, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, amazing, and yep. yeah, it, and it's a, it's just a podcaster's dream. Every week, what song should we use? I know Breaking Bad was on. They'll have an awesome song, and then they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have a much harder time when when Breaking Bad isn't on. Yeah, uh, we also agreed on our number one, which I'm uh, which honestly you hadn't even seen uh, season two until recently, so I wasn't even sure we were going to see eye to eye on its uh, spectacular quality. But Louie is our number one, a show that costs a fraction of most other shows to produce especially something like breaking bad uh and yet uh in its in its utilitarian way manages to do things that most other shows could never do uh louis ck writes directs edits produces music supervises <laughs> and uh <laughs> and stars in every single episode which honestly that's one of the craziest things ever Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's a ridiculous amount of stuff to do. There is no cast in the show besides Louis C.K., no regular cast. I mean, other actors appear, obviously. Pamela Adlin appears in two or three episodes. But other than that, and, you know, the kids uh, mm-hmm. show up now and again. But even the kids aren't the same kids as last season. You know, he doesn't have the same siblings as last season. Uh, nothing is consistent. His mother's been played by several, by a couple <laughs> different actresses uh, and in totally different uh, ways. Uh, I, I think what's what I value most about Louis is that regardless of whatever else the show is doing, whether it's funny or touching or whatever, I think that um, along with shows like Friday Night Lights and, and in, a, in, a, in a strange way, um, Homeland, I, th- I think it's reproducing aspects of reality that you don't usually see on television. I, and I think in the sense of what it's saying about parenthood and what it's saying about love and and manhood specifically uh modern manhood and about how society uh, runs itself and uh, tries to correct itself uh i'm just gonna go i'm just gonna i'm gonna start rambling now so you <laughs> you tell me why louis is awesome well you mentioned the kids i'm going to uh uh talk about them a bit because i do think that as much as i enjoyed the first season i think the increased presence of Louis spending time with his kids in the second season is one of the things that really 
made it stronger and better and more relevant to it seems the louis himself uh the 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 creator as well as the character but then also it i think it made made it feel more truthful and honest more personal um and i was i very strongly considered giving the uh best chemistry award to louis and the kids because i mean they're (laughs) i just i like mommy more i mean it's just (laughs) Yeah, o- opening scene of the decade. Yeah, um, it's pretty good. And, yeah, in the, in the Who Are You sequence alone, mm-hmm. just him, just so many dynamics going on in that car, him trying to be a cool dad, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trying to teach them about the Who, them, <laughs> them being bored. Bo- them being, I, I think, maybe like briefly amused and then just totally bored, <laughs> um, which also tied in beautifully with, with the episode that it was in, you know, mm-hmm. this this idea of taking the kids out to see grandma and you know learn about the past but oh wait a second <laughs> grandma's uh, racist yeah. grandma is a horrific racist who then dies uh <laughs> yeah and just the the way the show blends cynicism and you know and honesty and pure and, sweetness with the ducks. and sweetness yeah i mean yeah, and everything yeah. and and duckling is another thing like the the way that episode blends like you say sweetness with a very like sort of no holds barred uh, approach with uh, you know you with Louis depicting his USO tour, and uh, speaking of shows that take time to do things, I mean this was a double length episode, but just the way he included the the full performance of the singer songwriter playing Circle on the Cross and the way he shot that uh, was so affecting, and you know and you you expect you know from from a New York comic you know, sort of condescension towards that realm, but no, but there's absolutely none of that, and the, and the show doesn't let you off the hook like that. I feel like the other shows on our list, even Breaking Bad, are, are they're all very good shows. Breaking Bad, I, I think, is an amazing show, but they're all shows that take, that, that do a certain kind of thing very well. So, Parks and Rec is an excellent sitcom. It's, it takes the format and plays with it and has completely hilarious characters and it does its thing, but it still is very much a sitcom. Breaking Bad is, as we as I was saying earlier, it's a masterclass intention. It is amazing performances from top to bottom and it is one of the best shows that has ever been made on television. But it's also a, something that we've seen before, maybe not done as well. Maybe not about that specific storyline, but we've seen the story of a man's corruption over time through his own dark demons. I can't think yeah. of a show that we have, haven't seen a show like Louie. There isn't another show that's like Louie. Even, you know, we saw, I was when we were talking about this uh, a few weeks back, there is there are certain parallels that we were seeing between Louie season two and the newsroom. But those are just a few parallels this is a show that mm-hmm. is more than anything i would say a short film every week on a theme of of louis life and i just there's no other show like it mm-hmm. and it and, and it's worth mentioning like if you, you want comedy like this the show can deliver comedy like nobody's business watch come on god which i think is <laughs> one of, absolutely absolutely one of the funniest half hours uh, of all year on the other hand, if you wanted to get serious, the, the the other episode that aired that very same night with Doug Stanhope as mm-hmm. uh, as one as an old comic buddy was, I wouldn't say laugh free by comparison, but was almost totally dramatic by the end. 
uh, and pulled that off with just, with just as much panache. I think just just the episodes that aired that night showed more dynamic range in terms of what the show can do and what the show can evoke than almost anything else on TV. Yeah. Ever. So I wouldn't say yeah, fantastic. I wouldn't say Louie is the funniest show on TV right now. Though it is consistently hilarious, I would say. I don't think it's necessarily the most laugh out loud or the most consistently funny or the, definitely it's not the most universal humor. But I do think it's the most interesting show that, that, that's going right now and I can't wait to see what he does. Yep, I am, I'm so glad he's... And uh, he just had a tremendous year in general. I mean, the whole Beacon Theater experiment, I think, is uh, going quite well. And he really just seems to be at the top of his game in every respect and I'm, I'm i'm hoping that that continues for for a long time it's good stuff so we're gonna of course have this up uh, post up on the website so you can leave us comments we would love to hear your top 10 what you particularly enjoyed this year you can feel free to leave us comments about how we're terrible people for not having community on our list uh there uh, though it, i will mention it is number four on the sound on site staff list so the rest of the sound on site crew seems to disagree uh with with our lack of inclusion um, yeah that, that tells you how much people who aren't us absolutely cannot get enough of that show so um i so there there's we would love to hear from you there and um you can of course reach us on twitter i'm at the televerse now have they let you have your twitter back yet no <laughs> so right now i don't have a twitter account but ah. but theoretically, by the time people are listening to this, uh, or if they catch up with it later, you are you are at sucker howell h o w e l l, and if you want to Twitter me, uh, email Twitter and complain. <laughs> and of course, you can also email us uh, the televerse at gmail dot com, and we can we'll be happy to re- reply to you and or read it out on the podcast, depending on what you prefer. And uh, it's always great to discuss with everybody and sort of uh share in our and our love of television and the uh the art form in general and excellent time spent conversing mm-hmm. and i hope everyone has an awesome set of holidays yeah it'll be great so we will be back next week with a regular episode of the televerse and until then have a excellent holiday season and we will see you in 2012 